0: Welcome back to Love Lindsay, a captivating podcast that delves into the realms of things we've written in the past and embraces the sometimes cringy nostalgia that accompanies it. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back, my Lindsay lovers. Are you ready for some me time? for some just special one-on-one time with you and I. Are you ready to take some time out to think and reflect and get into your own brain and scratch all those little neurons and things that you haven't been able to think about just because you haven't been able to get there because your life is just so busy and so hectic? Um, Can you tell I've been studying neurology? Um, well, your time is here. Your time has come for some self care. Speaking of self care, thank you so much for all the feedback and all the great things that I heard about last week's episode about self care. It was very near and dear to my heart. I am a woman of comfort, as you guys all know. I love self care. I love taking care of myself, whether it's the hard stuff that you don't feel like doing for self-care or like the special bougie things that are literally like a day at the beach or a day at the spa. I like all of it. So I had fun hearing about your guys' self-care and what it meant to you. And, um, someone even told me that they did take my advice and they listened to Mac Miller while listening to the episode. So perfect self-care by Mac Miller is a great song. Um, yeah. And I also heard some feedback about like the, all the little things that I pack, like my go bag I use for my drive downstate every week. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff that I kind of put together to pamper myself for those long, hard days. So if you have long, hard days as well, we all do, and you haven't made your bag of items that bring you comfort and help you get through the day, why haven't you yet? (laughs) Get your stuff together. Get it together, people. Um, Yeah, I drive... 600 miles a week. It's 150 miles down and 150 miles back. So I do that twice a week. It's 300 miles each day. So I, you know, you do the math. You can do the math. Um, 600 miles a week on the road is a lot. So podcasts mean everything to me. And I have had just so much joy being able to listen to other podcasts, pick and choose what I like about their podcasts, and bringing it here to you guys, to my Love Lindsay listeners and Lindsay lovers. So this has just been such a treat. It continues to be such a treat. I believe this is my 29th episode of Love Lindsay, so insert applause sounds here. (laughs) I don't have sound effects. I thought it would be cool at first, but I just have so much going on. Editing already is a task in and of itself, but maybe someday I'll have like more sound effects, like inserting applause or something. Um, but I feel like this podcast is more of like introspective than it is like comical, which is the type of podcast that I think of when I think of like sound effects and stuff. So, um, I don't know. That could kind of like liven it up though a little bit. What do you guys think? I am having a great weekend with friends. Um, I have my first neurology exam coming up this week, but I've already been studying so hard every day. I'm a flashcard girly, so I'm very much prepared. And because I'm already prepared and I didn't have to cram, I've been able to hang out with my friends this weekend. I went on a what I call a cold hot girl walk because it's winter with my good pal Michelle. Um, yesterday and then out to dinner with my friend Sienna and her family and my husband Eddie. And today I had a really special treat I wanted to tell you guys about because it kind of touches on the self care aspect. We drove up to Sutton's Bay, which is further up north from Traverse City, me and my two friends, and we went to a Reiki healing Ire. Dervick, I think is how you say it, Um, spa day type deal. It was at like a chiropractic massage place. The energy there was amazing. First, it was all women. So the energy, the vibes, you know, if it's a group of women, the vibes are going to be immaculate. And they were all just so happy that there was a couple of young women there. And they grouped me in with the young women because all of my friends are Well, not all of them, but most of my friends are in their 20s. So I just automatically get assumed that I'm younger when I'm with them. And I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) Um, So we went and the first thing we did is we had a Reiki healing session. So the Reiki healer, and this is something I've always wanted to, to, to have had some very light Reiki energy healing done. On myself at like yoga workshops and stuff and if you don't know what reiki healing is look it up it's super cool it's kind of like sometimes laying out of hands of like your different chakras and healing your energy i kind of think of it too as kind of like a medical medium type of way because they're speaking to your body but it's also like spiritual um So she went around and she was like beating this drum, like right behind your head and it like vibrates you. And then you like, uh, we envisioned all of our chakras from the crown chakra all the way down to our root chakra and back up again, visualizing the colors of each chakra, talking about what that chakra controls, what aspect of our life it's responsible for and what blockages of that chakra Look like, and I, I loved that. We even got like a little bag of stones afterwards to like represent the color of each chakra, and we were sitting there like in a semi-circle, and it's a bunch of women. And she asks, um, "Does anybody have any questions, comments, stuff that came up during the session they want to say?" And I'm just sitting there being my own regular, regular self. And then she looks right at me and she's like, I can tell that there's something that you want to say. And I'm like, who, me, (laughs) me. Um, And honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't, there wasn't anything I wanted to say out loud. Um, But my wheels were definitely turning and spinning. So you guys know that I'm all about not just self-care but I'm all about bettering myself. I'm very much in my um, self-improvement era. If I were a house or like an apartment, I'm literally, I'm cleaning so deep, I'm scrubbing the walls. I'm leaving no stone unturned. Any aspect of my life right now, I'm improving and cleaning up. And I did tell her, I'm like, I found something in each one of my chakras that I wanted to work on. I found what I felt to be blockages in each part and things that I wanted to improve in each part. And I think I'm able to look at what I want to improve so much because I have a foundation of self-esteem to build on that. You can't just look at all the things that are wrong with you that you want to improve on if you don't have that good foundation of like, positive self-image and self-esteem first. Otherwise you just get so overwhelmed. So, and it comes with age, you guys, it comes with age. So if you're not there yet, just give it time. Okay. Um, it comes with age, but it also comes with extremely, extremely hard work, which you guys know I have been doing, I've been doing working on myself and my surroundings a lot every day since we moved here to Northern Michigan in 2019. So every aspect of my life, I'm trying to improve. And I was telling her about that. And I said, I was picturing while we were sitting there that for the first time in my life, at my big age, I am running towards myself instead of away from myself. Okay, like I spent the first part of my life before this um, as an adult, kind of running away from who I was and what I wanted, numbing it, distracting, um, not following my dreams, being too afraid to work hard and take chances, all of that, numbing it, and then also dealing with severe mental illness. And now I have worked so hard and come so far that I can finally look at myself, hug myself, run back to myself and be like, let's work on you. Let's. And it's great. And it shows. And she said, you know, this shows to those around you. Um, And it's true because my friends and my family, like my mom will tell me that they're just so. I don't want to say in awe of, but like just impressed with like my habits, like I'm very, Exact about the habits I have, like my I must work out, like strength training, forty five minutes a day. I must do ten thousand steps a day. I must um, follow this diet. I must study. I must um, stand up while I study. I don't even sit while I study. Like all these things, I never take a break from it. Like I've been keto since like. November 17th or something like that. And I haven't strayed from it. Like I just, I'm, I'm a habit stacker. Um, and that has all come with hard work, but also with a really, really strong foundation. So I just thought that was interesting that she could just see that my wheels were turning or she, whatever it was. And she refers to spirit, you know, She said she was calling in like our guardian angels and she's like, if there's something that the spirit tells me, then I pass it on. And obviously she felt that the spirit wanted me to share what I wanted to say and what I was kind of going through. So that was really inspiring. And then after the Reiki healing session, we had um, our good friend, Wendy, lead a acupuncture aromatherapy kind of spa time. So we had these little basins that she filled with hot water and we filled them with like salt and like oils, soaked our feet, massaged our feet, scrubbed our feet, oiled up our hands. And then we got these little guides that tell us what parts of your feet and hands are good for like acupuncture and what parts... Our affected where, and that was really cool and really inspiring and um, at the end of this the time she said okay look on the bottom of your salt bottles and tell me if there's a sticker down there and mine had a sticker and she said okay you win a free session with me one-on-one so she's going to come to my house with her like massage table and do an aromatherapy kind of pressure point healing on like all my chakras or something up my back, I think. Um, And I'm so looking forward to this. I was just saying to my friend, Michelle, I am looking to incorporate on top of therapy, on top of working out, on top of everything else, I want to put in some kind of monthly Reiki healing, energy healing session. Because to me, it goes hand in hand with church. Church is also a huge part of my self-care. Um, I just don't broadcast it, is largely because I understand that it can be not attractive to some people. So I just try not to put it out there. But Um, the spirituality and things with like Reiki and things like that kind of go hand in hand with my relationship with God. Um, so it just worked out perfectly. I manifested this whole thing. Like before we got there, you know, my friends and I were talking like, oh, have you done Reiki before? Have you had like a Reiki healing session? I'm like, no, not formally, but I want to start doing it on a regular basis. And then I kind of manifested this one-on-one session with her. So I just thought that that was amazing and God is great. And if you manifesting works, you guys, it, I can't tell you how many things I've directly manifested. And again, going back to my friend, Michelle, we've been talking about manifestation and how many things we've manifested. And we just had this great discussion yesterday. And I was talking about how in the United States, we have this kind of sick way that our system is built on. Basically, like the healthcare system is for profit. So because of that, they want us sick so that we're giving them more money for more medication. They want us sick. They want us overworked. Because, because unfortunately, major parts of our country are built on consumerism and for-profit healthcare, yada yada. And I said, you know, I'm not being pessimistic when I say that. I love our country. I'm patriotic AF. Um, but because I know and understand and recognize that the systems are kind of set up in that way. I can better navigate my life and kind of avoid those pitfalls and those little traps that are kind of built into the system. You know what I mean? Like there's a way to recognize there's a way to recognize things that are negative. But in a way where it's like, yeah, but I'm educated on it. And because I'm educated on it, I can have a really fruitful and positive life and view on life because I'm smart enough to recognize the shit that's wrong with it. And, and I have a point to all this. I do. <laughs> I promise we're going to finally get to the, to today's kind of topic. Um, another thing that I believe in and I, I specifically remember like a girlfriend and I on the beach a couple summers ago and she was doing this like really hardcore, like self work, introspective work. And she was like, what are your baseline kind of traits about yourself that come up above all else? And I have, like, traits and I have, like, good things. Like, immediately I always think that, like, I'm loving and creative and enthusiastic, right? But I'm – what I want you to think about is what are your base feelings? The feelings that, like, if you lifted up what you feel right now, what's underneath that? What's underneath that most of the time? And it's not always going to be positive, It's not always going to be amazing and everybody's different. So I'm going to share something really intimate with you guys. And you're probably going to think it sounds extremely sad um, or weird. But at my core, my baseline emotions are sadness and fear. And before you judge me on that, I've got so many great things kind of built around the sadness and fear that allow me to navigate and participate in life the way I am now. But it took me damn near 30 plus years to figure out how to cocoon that sadness and fear in a way where I was protecting myself from it. And again, I tell you, I'm not being pessimistic and I'm not being like, "Oh, I'm in love with my sadness and this is so emo. It's just factual. and when I t- when I said this to my friend about the sadness and fear, I realized what are sadness and fear? Depression and anxiety okay like a huge light bulb went out, went on. So I have severe depression and severe anxiety. That's sadness and fear. And it's not a bad thing that I recognize it. It's in fact, it's a good thing because I'm able to navigate understanding how my system is set up, navigate my way through life, participate in life, have a good life knowing what the traps are, and what the pitfalls are in my system. And I just wanted to share that with you guys, that if you have kind of a baseline that's sadness, fear, desperation, jealousy, all that stuff, that doesn't necessarily mean it's something that you need to like hide or get rid of That can actually be your strength. My sadness and my fear have allowed me to connect with so many people. It has allowed me to explore the depths of the mental health field through therapy, through EMDR, through cognitive behavioral therapy, um, and to become passionate about it and through um, meditation. And then decide to, in turn, practice it myself and become a therapist myself. My sadness and my fear have made me relatable. They have allowed me to be artistic. Um, They have allowed me to feel safe. Because although it sounds nice to completely eradicate our fear and to live completely fear-free, We can't live without it. If we had no fear, we'd be running out into the middle of the street. If we had no fear, we would be interacting with the wrong people and be putting ourselves in compromising situations. So use those negative baseline tendencies that you have. I mean, I can think of just so many like skepticism, anger, discussed things that you might think are not good and make it your strength. make it your strength. And this brushes on the topic today of depression. I know I've touched a lot on this podcast already about depression and mental health and mental illness. Um, But I thought I would just zero in on some things I've written in the past about depression as a way to kind of explore more deeply how far I've come and my experience with it and what it's looked at. Because my depression has not just been one experience or one day. It's been a multitude of days. I feel like I feel like if there are multiple lives that I've had, I've had depression in every single one. I just feel like I was put here for many, many reasons, but one of the many, I feel like I was put here to master this sadness and this fear and to help other people kind of master it, if that makes any sense. Um, My blog used to be called The Black Dog. And I've touched on that before. The black dog has always kind of been a symbol for people about depression. It's kind of the black dog that follows you around. Um, I think there's even been some songs written called the black dog. Um, So there's that. There's this odd, weird little blurb that I wrote in 2016 that I wanted to read to you. This was written on January 19th. 2016, and I start saying, suffering for such a long time now with debilitating depression. I was always able to mostly function on a regular basis, but I went off of a medication that had kept me stable for over nine years. Now, I was talking about Paxil. I needed to go off of it for many reasons, mainly because of the high risk of birth defects. And I was about to get married. In two months, it will be about one year since my hell has begun. Many, many things I've been blessed with since then. I have tried, succeeded, and failed so many times. The suffering continues to be immense. I am crippled. I am feeling farther away from what I wish I could be with every fall into depression I descend. There, there. So there it is no pomp or circumstance, a blog entry I've thought about writing for eons, done without so much as an announcement or a call to action, more like quietly and quickly slipping through the ice. Does anyone else suffer from this or something similar? Reach out. So that That blog post that I posted in 2016 is very indicative of what I was going through at the time that was the thick of my kind of bedridden, housebound, very depressed times. If you guys don't know, I lost my job a few months before I got married in 2015. I lost my job. I lost my friends. I lost my bridesmaids. I lost my mind. I lost everything. Um, And then three months later, I got married. So it was um, not your quintessential honeymoon phase, kind of like getting married to me was a high point in my relationship, in my marriage with Eddie, but a low point in myself. And I feel so much more comfortable now and recognizing that and again, acknowledging the defects, acknowledging the negative aspects so that I can better use it to um, educate myself and work around it. So I had been put on Paxil at the age of 23 when I first started experiencing panic attacks. Paxil is great for um, depression and anxiety. So it did stop my panic attacks. It did. It worked great for many years. All medications, all SSRIs, which stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors, and SNRIs, which do the same thing, but it does it with serotonin and norepinephrine. And let me just break down what, like, what's a reuptake inhibitor. So you've got these little neurotransmitters called serotonin. Okay. And serotonin is responsible for your mood. It's You get it from like long-term habits. Um, if you need more of that serotonin, then you're going to want to stop the reuptake of that serotonin. So what reuptake means is that it's going to go and take those neurotransmitters and bring it back to like a presynaptic neuron and use it over and over again. Basically, we recycle our neurotransmitters. So people that are depressed that have less serotonin than what they need or they need a boost of it, they don't want to have that reuptake. They want to leave more in the system for those depressed people to use. Same thing with norepinephrine, which is a neurotransmitter that helps with wakefulness and attention. So, if you've got an SSRI that's an SSNRI, then you've got more serotonin in your system that's not being reuptaken, and you also got more norepinephrine in your system that's not. You're inhibiting the reuptake, you're inhibiting the recycling of it, you're leaving more for yourself in your system. So, Paxil is an SNRI, so it is a little more. Um, it rearranges how your brain works a little bit more than an SSRI. And there's something about Paxil and doctors didn't really know as much about it. Back when I was prescribed it in 2007, 2008, they didn't really understand about this, but it's, um, it really alters the way your brain works, which is great for people that have severe depression and anxiety and panic disorder. However, when the medication stops working because all medications you're going to reach the end of its life you can call it shelf life you can say i no longer metabolize metabolize it correctly you it's hard to be on these types of medications that work the way they do your whole life you can't just be on one medication it's not going to work that's not how ssris work If you have to keep taking it, eventually you're going to have to switch to something different. Coming off of Paxil, and a lot of people have had this same experience, is extremely horrific. Not everybody has the same side effects. I was on a pretty aggressive dose of it. Um, But you get some severe withdrawal symptoms. And again, they know that now and they take that into account before they prescribe it. But they, My doctor didn't know about that then and um, we just took that chance. And so when it stopped working in 2015 and I lost my job and I lost my friends and all that, um, I had to start tapering it down to try a different medication. And tapering it down is the part that really kind of hurts your brain. It's you're no longer getting that substance that your brain has relied on neurologically, right? So the symptoms that I got were psychosis. So there was um seeing things that aren't there. Um even audio kind of psychosis, hearing things that aren't there, whooshing sounds Every time I turned my head, it was like a whoosh sound. Um, It's also like you're very dizzy, you're exhausted, you're lethargic, you're um, you get these things called brain zaps, which it's exactly what it sounds like, because it's a very neurological process that you've altered, which helped. And for me, it helped for seven years. It was great. I wish that I could be on Paxil forever. I wish I could experience that joy and that euphoria almost of being back on it again and having it work. But we have learned the hard way that altering your brain that much is not good for when you finally have to come off of it. So that's what I was talking about in this blog post about coming off of the medication that had worked so well for me for so long. And i thought I'd explain that more in depth. I'm not trying to scare you. If you're on Paxil, there there are things you can do. And um, like I said, doctors just know much. They they know so much more about it now. Um, So it's just something to keep in mind. And um, I hope you liked your little neurology lesson of the day. Um, This next one is called Ramble On. And but this one is from the year, like a year later, August 20th or August 10th, excuse me, 2017. And I start the blog saying, the other day I wrote about restarting the clock for my three months of depression and anxiety interruption free life. So I'd given myself like, I'm going to have three months where depression and anxiety don't interrupt what I want to do. I have to go to all my appointments, this, this, this. And then I say, when God gives you a dream, sometimes you also get an ear infection. Yes, I'm an adult with ear infection problems. I am thinking it runs in the family. It definitely does. Without making me sound like an alien, I have weird ears. None of the iPod earbuds have ever fit me. They always hurt and fall out. I have to wear over-the-ear headphones, and my mama has the same issues. I think we have super small inner ears, kind of like a little kid, which makes our ears drain not as easily or as they should. This is my third inner ear infection in as many years. It feels like I got body slammed on the head and the eardrum is going to burst through. Ew. My mom even told me that they talked her about putting tubes in her ears. What? I thought that was just for toddlers. Anyways, so fuck, I had to lay in bed again for like almost a fucking week. Crazy Lindsay Brain is wandering. Meanwhile, wondering meanwhile if I'm depressed, therefore I lay in bed, or if I got sick, therefore I lay in bed, or if I lay in bed sick, therefore I get depressed again. Health is health, or whatever. Today, I got out of bed, sang gangsta rap, and called my BFF back home in Michigan. That's a vast improvement. I also ordered my fave SIE butter bowl and green juice from a place near my house for breakfast. Super fast delivery, and I'm not even awake by the time it arrives, and I highly recommend it. And it only costs about the same as what you'd end up Spending on gas to go pick it up. I got all my food delivered when I lived in San Francisco, you guys. It's sad. Healthy. (laughs) But am I tired as fuck? Yes. I am drained. Did this week count against my three months of not letting depression and anxiety interrupt my life? What do you think? I know it's ultimately up to me. What do you think matters that I did that may or may not reset my three-month clock? PS no therapy this past tuesday but not totally my fault as far as mental illness no or yes well wow, it just sounds like i'm just begging for input thanks for reading and listening typing this blog makes me feel somewhat real and social PPS i had a dream about buying weird long cigarettes which is gross plus i quit smoking approximately 10 months ago ooh i was a fresh non-smoker I wonder if quitting smoking and the health benefits outdo the depression, anxiety, negative health effects. Sometimes I wonder a lot about that actually. Anyway, and then I had the picture of the acai butter bowl, which looks so good. I feel like when I'm done recording this podcast, you guys, I'm going to have peanut butter toast. I have this amazing like one net carb, um, bread that you have to like keep in the freezer. It's like gluten-free and all that. And I'm going to smother that bad boy in peanut butter and I'm going to eat it. It's interesting that I talk about coming down with something because I feel like I'm coming down with something now. Like I woke up this morning with a sore throat. So if my voice sounds kind of not the same, that's why. And I'm so glad that I'm getting this podcast recorded today because I feel like this week is going to be tough. I've got that exam coming up. I'm staying downstate at my parents' this week to have dinner with my family. So it's it's going to be a whole thing. It's going to be a whole thing. So that was an interesting blog post. I really, gosh, my insecurity is just so visible and out there and this is definitely high on the cringe factor for sure. Um, this is a newer one. This one is, let's see here. This one is from April 12, 2020. So this was like fresh on the scene into the pandemic. I just, I'm really drawn to the graphic that I made for this blog post. It's bright pink and bright yellow, I think because Easter is all about like pastels. And I think I wrote this, yeah, I wrote this blog post on Easter. So this was published April 12th, 2020. And I say, happy Easter. Today is Sunday, April 12th. And this is today's daily quarantine blog written from home while I social distance during the coronavirus pandemic. I feel as though I have this fog around me today. Girls same. like a filmy covering of sleepy nothingness is clinging to me. Kind of a blah feeling. With nervousness nervousness and exhaustion. I asked Eddie if he felt it as well, and he agreed it's kind of blah today. Perhaps we wondered we weren't getting enough exercise. I agreed in the last couple days since Bean came home from the Humane Society that we've done more downtime with her, but we have still been going for our walks. Honestly, Since this shelter-at-home situation has started, I'm getting more exercise than ever. Yeah, I was living my best life. Even without doing a couple of shifts at the shop downtown, and I'm still eating pretty decently. Since we've ordered pizza and Jimmy John's, but also have been having a lot of fruits, vegetables, and salads. I've been watching my caffeine intake, but also drinking a lot of green tea and herbal teas. I should be feeling pretty damn good. So why do I feel like I have an emotional dump truck on my back? Was it because I ate French toast sticks for breakfast four days in a row last week? In my defense, it was a small amount and paired with a banana. Anyway, I do feel a bit of allergies coming back, but it shouldn't be causing the red bags under my eyes or this daily nauseous slump I deal with or my puffy face Eddie said he noticed his eyes felt baggier too. Poor Eddie. (laughs) Well, the CDC says, duh, pandemics are awful. You are stressed out. And also explains how this affects your mental and emotional health. And I kind of have to agree with that. Even though we are absolutely ridiculously blessed to be on the best side of everything during this awful time. We are holding on financially. We have our health. We don't need to care for children or elderly, and we have an amazing home and neighborhood to hunker down in and also have a very supportive community and support system. There's no doubt that we are very fortunate right now to not be directly touched by this tragedy yet. So why is it still so draining and hard on us? I'm guessing it's because of the influx of changing outlooks and perspectives of what our future holds. It's changing every single day lately. A lot of us are really into our routine because it works for us. I like to know what to expect the next day and the day after that and so on. Routines are comforting. Also, someone like me who gets hung up on all the suffering in the world and concern for all creatures big and small, I feel connection to that. Like, I know there's a lot of suffering happening right now and it creates a psychic storm cloud. Not to sound too woo-woo. You know, that's something different about me now, you guys. I've embraced my woo-woo. Like, no. To sound woo-woo. Deal with the woo-woo. I've been able to keep somewhat of a new routine, although it's nothing like the one I had before. I also have lost that routine I was used to when caring for Peanut. So I feel pretty out of touch with what exactly I'm supposed to be doing with my time. Yeah, after Peanut passed away... Not having to give her her special food twice a day, her medications, her nightly fluids. Not to mention not spending all that money and energy towards it. It was just like such a shift. Like there was a blank spot in my day. It was sad. Anyway, back to the blog. I see plenty of online content showing me how creative they are getting. And I'm wondering where my creative creative bug is. I have been so not inspired lately. It's true. I feel too emotionally exhausted. I've been making little paper models of hat boxes for my dollhouse and miniatures collection. I've been trying so hard to be inspired to make more cards for birthdays and other things. My craft room is getting to peak organization mode and everything is easy to access and I have plenty of room. But I feel like a deflated balloon I really just don't want this to be depression knocking back in my door, but I think it may be, and I got to remember that it's okay. I need to embrace it. Yeah, this was the beginning of really building that solid foundation, you guys, that I'm able to like live off of now. So first of all, thank you so very much for allowing me to vent today. It's not the cheery Easter post I expected, however... I give us a pat on the back for going for a nice long walk today and getting off the couch and moving. We also started a bunch of plants indoors that we will later move to our garden. But I want to know, are you feeling drained too during this time? How is it directly affecting your energy level? Do you feel like you are thriving? Is it triggering your depression? Please send me a little message on here, or Facebook and Instagram, whatever you're comfortable with. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you back here tomorrow. That was a good little blog post of kind of like how I dealt with depression creeping in during the beginning of the pandemic. The next one I want to read to you is more scientific in the sense that I'm talking about a type of therapy that works that I'm really interested in. And it's just a good way to explain to you guys what this type of therapy is since we're on the subject of depression and treatment and how the brain works. So this blog post is all about EMDR therapy. And I wrote this before the one I just read to you. This was posted December 1st, 2019. And I start the blog saying, as mentioned in a previous post, I am currently doing therapy twice weekly after a once-weekly regimen for several years, and we will be working on EMDR. What's that, you say? For clinicians, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, or EMDR, is a psychotherapy treatment that was originally designed to alleviate the distress associated with traumatic memories. In Shapiro's book, written in 2001 that I'm referencing, adaptive information processing model posits that EMDR therapy facilitates the accessing and processing of traumatic memories and other adverse life experiences to bring these to an adaptive resolution. After successful treatment with EMDR therapy, effective dis- distress is relieved, negative beliefs are reformulated, and physiological arousal is reduced. During EMDR therapy, the client attends to emotionally disturbing material in brief sequential doses while simultaneously focusing on an external stimulus. Therapist-directed lateral eye movements are the most commonly used external stimulus, but a variety of other stimuli, including hand tapping and audio stimulation, are often used. Shapiro hypothesizes that EMDR therapy facilitates the accessing of the traumatic memory network so that information processing is enhanced with new associations being forged between the traumatic memory and the more adaptive memories or information. These new associations are thought to result in complete information processing, new learning, elimination of emotional distress, and development of cognitive insights. EMDR therapy also uses a three-pronged protocol, and that means the past events that have laid the groundwork for dysfunction are processed, forging new associative links with adaptive information. The second prong is the current circumstances that elicit distress are targeted and internal and external triggers are desensitized. And the third prong is imaginal templates of future events are incorporated to assist the client in acquiring the skills needed for adaptive functioning. And if you want a less scientific kind of overview of what EMDR therapy is, I got you, boo. Check it out. EMDR, I'll say it again, it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So you're desensitizing yourself to previous traumatic events and you're reprocessing it, is a psychotherapy that enables people to heal from the symptoms and emotional distress that are the result of disturbing life experiences. Repeated studies show that by using EMDR therapy, people can experience the benefits of psychotherapy that once took years to make a difference. It is widely assumed that severe emotional pain requires a long time to heal. EMDR therapy shows that the mind can, in fact, heal from psychological trauma, much as the body recovers from physical trauma, which is great. When you cut your hand, for instance, your body works to close that wound. If a foreign object or repeated injury irritates the wound, it festers and it causes pain. Once the block is removed, healing resumes. EMDR therapy demonstrates that a similar sequence of events occurs with mental processes and the brain's information processing system naturally moves toward mental health. If the system is blocked or imbalanced by the impact of a disturbing event, the emotional removed healing or the emotional wound festers and can cause intense suffering. But once that block is removed, healing resumes. Using the detailed protocols and procedures learned in EMDR therapy training sessions, clinicians help clients activate their natural healing process. So if you got through all that, congrats. You must really care about your mental health or mine. Anyways, It may seem like one would be a good candidate for this therapy only if they've had a major trauma or event in their lives. Not true. For me, there's no specific event or trauma, at least at that point in my life there wasn't, but now there is. Thank you to the work that our business does. Just ways of thinking about things that seem like I was born with that need to change, aka that layer baseline of sadness and fear that I have. With my therapist as a guide, we went through the beginning questions that you need to evaluate before starting. We talked about what intrusive thoughts were impacting my life most. Have you ever tried to describe thoughts you've had your whole life? Because it's actually really hard, especially if you've never said these thoughts out loud. They become more of a feeling than a thought that can be described by words, and that's exactly it for me. The feeling these thoughts bring me are negative and affect different parts of my body. Some are a kick to the chest or a tight throat. Others are not as immediate and cause gut pain. Hello, IBS. These feelings cause me to tense up and my muscles lock and don't release. How can these feelings come from thoughts? It's crazy. This dedication and attention to myself internally can be confusing, but I'm trusting the process we have become with my over we have begun with my oversensitivity to the welfare of animals don't get me wrong having compassion is a good thing but many times my love for animals especially my own pets has brought me to crippling amounts of fear and pain am i being a good enough pet owner what will i do when my cat passes away will i be, be able to continue on not being able to live my life after Peanut dies is a legit and real concern for me. Here's another example. The other day we saw a sick raccoon in the street while my husband was raking leaves. Seeing the sick raccoon brought my whole day to a stop. By the way, someone already called Animal Control and I watched them drive up and look for him. And I'm assuming they caught him to humanely euthanize as it had an obvious case of of final stage rabies. I would like to be able to think well gee that's sad but that's nature instead of sobbing like a pansy. My first session of EMDR. I'm currently on a plethora of fertility drugs that cause multiple symptoms including dizziness. So following my therapist's hand back and forth with my eyes made me quite dizzy. We decided to use the tapping approach. That's when your therapist says to close your eyes and think about a triggering event or thought and focus on it while she taps your knees. We did this process over and over each time evaluating my symptoms and physical action to the triggering thought or event. Sometimes tears were pouring through my my closed eyes. Sometimes I got that feeling where you think about something too much and it starts to feel weird and nonsensical. We use different number scales to evaluate each session. And though we've only done this twice now, I did notice a significant improvement in my symptoms. Depression has been non-existent in my life for the last three weeks since starting EMDR therapy. Now I need to wrangle my anxiety because it's been bad. Have you done this type of therapy before? And what have your experiences been? Or is this the first you've heard of it? Are you inspired to give it a try? Let me know. Here's the other thing that I thought was interesting about EMDR therapy. So if we were in the middle of a session and it was time to go, like, you know, the hour is up. She would have me picture taking this triggering thought event thing that's bothering me that we're working out and taking that item and putting it under a upside down bucket. So, you know, like when you use a bucket to like cover up a plant or you're covering something and then take that bucket and take a huge rock. Okay. And put it on top of the bucket. And then grab a blanket and lay it over the rock in the bucket. Basically, you're imagining taking, and this is scientific. This is proven. This is part of the EMDR process because we're not done processing it yet. You're putting this triggering item in a safe place until you come back to your next therapy session. So I thought that that was so interesting. So take the item that's bothering you now that you only tend to with self-care and time for yourself. Work it out. Talk to me about it. And we're going to take this thought process you have And we're going to put it in a bucket until the next time you come and listen to Love, Lindsay. So take that, put it in an upside down bucket, put a rock on top of it, put a blanket on it. And we're going to move on with our lives. If you haven't yet today, take a deep breath. It feels so amazing. I hope that you've used this hour to kind of think about things that you normally don't think about or things that make you afraid or scared. And you've kind of maybe reworked a way to think about it differently. And I hope that you guys have, um, enjoyed a little bit of this neurological kind of more clinical type episode. Um, there's probably going to be many more where this comes from as I move further further in my social work journey, if you will. Um, I just love exploring. I'm, a, I'm a, a science girly at my core. I'm a STEM girly. I love looking at what scientifically works. The same way I also like to look at what spiritually works. So share this podcast episode on your social media or with a friend or a family member um, because I just, there's so much information to share and so many, take like what I've learned that I can pass on and pass on the wealth of knowledge because I have gone through so many hard and difficult things with mental health and mental illness that that's why I put it out there. That's why I have a blog. That's why I have a podcast because I have to share what I've learned because if I don't share what I learned, what I've learned and all the suffering that I've gone through, then all of this is in vain. And if I'm not helping other people, then what is the point of the suffering? That's just personally to me, that's how I feel. So share this podcast with someone else. And yeah thank you guys so much for listening i will be having an episode coming up for valentine's day a special episode with a special and alluring topic so look forward to that and i will see you guys next wednesday on another episode of love Lindsay.